morning. Welcome to Evangel. I invite you to stand as we sing this morning. And good morning to everyone watching from home. Let's begin with a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Lord God, we offer up this time to you. Please have your way. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The third candle of Advent is the candle of joy. It reminds us of the joy that Mary felt when the angel Gabriel told her that a special child would be born to her, a child would, who would save and deliver his people. God wants us all to have joy, not to be afraid. We light this candle to remember that Christ brings the promise of a new life, a life in which the blind receive sight, the lame walk, and the prisoners are set free. We light it to remember that he is the one who brings true and everlasting joy.
Nice to see you. Merry Christmas. Take a few moments, turn and just tell someone you're glad they didn't blow away yesterday. seated. Well, good morning. Nice to see you here. And I'm not kidding about the blow away. I walked out in front of my house and, and Jen had a little uh, sort of like a, a, a planter there, a Christmas planter, and it was toppled over and all the dirt was on the ground. And, and I noticed that one of the, the, the planters was missing and I saw it all the way down to the end of my street. And, and I, I was just chasing it down the end of the street trying to get it before it went out into the major street. So it was, uh, it was quite a day yesterday, so uh, I'm glad I was actually up on a ladder a little earlier in the day, and you'll hear more about that later. So, But anyway, good morning. Glad you're here. All those of you who are watching and listening from elsewhere, uh, we're glad that you could join us this morning and be a part of our service and our continued celebration of the Advent season. A couple of reminders. Uh, just to remind you, once again, we are doing a Carols by Candlelight on Christmas Eve, and... Uh, It'll be at 6.30 p.m., and it'll be basically what it says. It'll be carols by candlelight. We'll be having carols. We'll be having the reading. And uh, then uh, we'll be, uh, our, our living nativity will be outside at the end. The animals will be here. Our, 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 crew, our drama crew will be outside in the, um, in, in the uh, nativity scene. And uh, as, you're, as the service ends, you can go outside and visit, and the kids can pet the animals, and kids at heart can pet the animals and, and be a part of that. So keep that in mind. And I'm reminding you because as of this morning, there are less than 20 spaces uh, remaining. So if that's something you intended to do, um, then uh, you, you may want to get to that as soon as possible. Also, just want to remind you that Sunday, December the 26th, our service is online only. So please keep that in mind. And also, just to let you know, in terms of year-end offering. Uh, if you want to get offering in to get a receipt for 2021, if you do that through e-transfer, you can send it right up until December 31st. And uh, if you are going to give in person, uh, then make sure that, uh, just to remember that Sunday, November the 19th, which is actually next Sunday, will be our last in-person service prior to Christmas. And because we're not meeting on the 26th, it'll be the last time to give your offering in person. If you're dropping it off, I just want to remind you that the office is closed uh, December 23rd and 24th. So if you are dropping off your offering, uh, make sure you do that before the 22nd so it can be taken care of before the office closes for the Christmas uh, season. So just keep those things in mind, please. Uh, I'm going to invite our kids, JK to grade five, the workers who are heading out with them, they are, uh, are good to go. And uh, yeah, I'm going to hand it back to Tyler. God bless you as you continue to worship this morning. I invite you to stand as we continue to sing together. Oh, my 
worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me let me be singing when the evening comes bless the
His holy name Sing like never
Your love is devoted Like a ring of solid gold Like a vow that is tested Like a covenant of old Your love is enduring Through the winter rain And beyond the horizon With mercy for today Faithful you have been, and faithful you will be. You pledge yourself to me, and it's why I sing your praise. Will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be. Be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. You father the orphan. Your kindness makes us whole. You shoulder our weakness, and your strength becomes our own. And you're making me like you, clothing me in white, bringing beauty from ashes. For you will have your bride, free of all her guilt, and rid of all her known by her true name and it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will Ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, you will be praised, you will be praised, with angels and saints we sing worthy.
Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, team, for leading us this morning. Our scripture was read a little bit earlier today during the Advent uh, reading, so rather than read that again, we'll, we'll just move along uh, with that one. So thank you so much for, for leading us this morning. Well, our family loves Christmas. I, I think to say that is really somewhat of an understatement. We really, really do. There are so many things about Christmas that bring us as a family incredible joy. And one of the favorite, of the many favorite parts of Christmas is the lights. Uh, all throughout the years, we, we, we drive around and we look at lights. When the kids were younger, we'd, everybody would have a hot chocolate and uh, Christmas cookies, and we'd set out in the car, of course, with people spilling the hot chocolate and the cookies, but driving all around looking at the Christmas lights. It was a tradition and continues to be a tradition, not all those details, but still looking at the lights. Every Christmas since we've come to EPC, after the Christmas Eve service is over and it's all wrapped up and the lights are turned out, uh, we leave and we drive through downtown Oakville and some of the side streets and we're looking at lights on our way home. It's part of our Christmas Eve tradition. We like putting lights on our house and in our backyard and inside our house. The outside lights used to be much more robust, I might say, when the kids were younger. But over time, they've become a little more subtle. In fact, a few years ago, I finally surrendered to the ambition of my neighbor down the street and relinquished my desire to be the best illuminated house. And I gave up my 
competition with him that he didn't even realize was, all, was ongoing. And I just kind of gave in to his tacky display. You could just have it. Fine, it's yours. Have your tacky Christmas lights. My goal was for my kids to join with the words of Clark Griswold and say, Dad, you taught us everything we know about exterior illumination. But I just gave in. For our family, lights bring joy. That is, of course, until they malfunction. And this past week, there was a series of malfunctions at our house. An entire set of lights up in the eve of our house went out. I checked everything, tried to get it working, couldn't get them to work. And so when you looked at our house at night, there was a whole section that the red lights had disappeared, much to the displeasure of my wife. We were dis disappointed that the battery-operated lights on our on our um, garlands outside were kind of too dim to even see. And then inside our house on our tree, there was one light that was constantly flickering despite our best efforts to calm it down. And so to minimize the risk of having a seizure, I suggested that we put a little house ornament over the light. And I want you to know that rather than ending up with a gently flickering Thomas Kincaid house, we really created a version of the Haunted Mansion. It was, it was really, really bad. But yesterday, before the wind came, I was able to tackle all of our lighting issues. Climbing the ladder to the eave, and you got to understand, I do not like heights. So climbing the ladder to fix that, uh, replace that, adding additional lights to the garland, and then figuring out a rotational system to get that flickering light out of out of it, and all of a sudden when it was all done, I would say joy was restored, and my wife was really, really happy yesterday when all of that was done. Light brings joy, but the absence of light, darkness, results in frustration and despair. This is the third Sunday of Advent, and as we've already talked about today, we're focusing on the theme of peace or sorry, of joy. As followers of Jesus, we celebrate the joy that the light of the world, Jesus, brings to our individual lives and to our world. And so today we're going to consider the angel's appearance to the shepherds and how this sudden appearance of God's light on the dark hills of Bethlehem brought incredible joy to the shepherds. Christmas reminds us, sorry, Christmas reminds us that God's light lifts the darkness caused by the painful reality of our lives and replaces it with joy. Now, if we were to look back right to the biblical account of the birth of Jesus and Christmases that have been celebrated, darkness and light were, have been prominent themes, and we're going to briefly explore these themes today as they relate specifically to joy. So we start with the darkness. Now, during the first week of Advent, we focused on hope, and we discussed the context of what was going on during the time of the announcement of the birth of Jesus, uh, of, of that he was coming and the angel coming to, to Mary and, and relaying the information that she was pregnant in this Messiah was to be born. Now, I believe it's important for us to review that quickly this morning, so forgive me 
because uh, I'm, I'm sure that you remember every single detail of every single thing I say every single week. So I know this will be hard for you, but just give me an opportunity to review that because I, I think we'll better appreciate what's happening in this scripture today uh, if, if we're reminded of what we talked about in week one. As the angels, as the angels here announce the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. We said that both Matthew and Luke set the political context at the time of Jesus' birth, that Caesar Augustus was the emperor of Rome, that Herod was the king of Judah, ruling on Augustus' behalf in that area, and that Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Augustus was the adopted son of Caesar, of Julius Caesar, and Julius Caesar was considered a god. He was worshipped as god, and Caesar Augustus, his son, was was in turn worshipped as the Son of God, the Savior. He was known as the Savior of Rome. The overriding policy, we said, during the reign of Augustus was Pax Romana, or peace in Rome. And while there was an absence of revolt and rebellion, we know that personal peace was lacking for the people of Israel. The Jewish people were under domination. They despised the Romans, the oppression of being ruled by these outsiders. And so in addition to the despair imposed by these brutal outsiders, there's, there was this incredible, profound uh, despair that, that was happening in the spiritual realm of Israel, that most of the priesthood at this time were, were corrupt, and they had exchanged compassion and leadership and spiritual direction for power and wealth and control. Their covenant with God was that once was rooted in relationship with him was now controlled, we said, by legalism that was too heavy for many of them to even bear. And so they longed for the Messiah to come to liberate them, to restore Israel, to bring hope. So it was dark. It was really dark. And so Luke sets the story of the angels appearing to these lowly shepherds against the backdrop of the pitch black of night. They are totally engulfed in darkness. And the darkness of this night that we read about on the hills of Bethlehem, it symbolized the darkness and the pain and the hopelessness and the grieving of a nation that was overwhelmed with despair and hopelessness. They longed for their Messiah to come, to liberate them and to restore Israel, to bring much-needed change to their lives. And so in the darkness, there was an, ex an expectation that there was one coming, but it had been dark for a very, very long time. The second thing we see in this story is light. The time finally came for God to respond to the longing, to the waiting, the, the expectation of the people. It had been announced to Mary, and, and, and God had spoken to Joseph, but now the event was about to take place. In Galatians chapter 4, we read, but when the set time, the, the right time, the predetermined time, God's time, when God's time came, when that moment was right, when it had fully come, we're told that God sent his son. Our scripture today is the third record in Luke of angels appearing with a message in only the first two chapters. 
The first angel came to Zechariah. The second angel came to Mary. And now the third angel appears to the shepherds. Luke reports that it happened suddenly. Now the word suddenly here means expected, but not expected at the same time. And there's some examples in Scripture of that. When Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, he's talking to his followers, and he said to them, don't leave Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on you, and when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses. And so we find them waiting together in one accord, praying and longing and waiting. They were expecting something, but Scripture tells us suddenly, right, the place that they were in was shaken. Suddenly, things began to happen, and the Spirit was poured out. So it was expected, but unexpected at the same time. When the Bible talks about the return of Jesus, we're told it's going to happen, but we're not sure exactly when it's going to be happen. We're not sure how it will happen. Now, there's a lot of people out there who claim to know all the details that when it's going to happen, and my response to that usually is, you know what, if all the scholars didn't get it right the first time, there's a good chance they're not going to get it right the second time. And so all we know is there's an expectation that it will happen, and it will happen suddenly, and so it's expected, but when it happens, it's unexpected. In that moment, it'll happen suddenly. And so that's what we have going on here. This is a nation that's waiting and longing and expecting, but suddenly in a moment that they weren't expecting, it happens. Luke's story is a record of that sudden moment when all those prophecies about the birth of the anticipated Messiah began to be realized. It's the moment of the announcement that it's, it's happened. It's important to notice that it's a moment when the Son of God, Augustus, occupied the Roman throne and was supported by a Roman army. While that was going on, the one true Son of God, Jesus, suddenly came in human form. And his coming was announced by the heavenly host, not a choir, heaven's armies. In a time of Pax Romana, when there's legislated peace and suppression of rebellion, suddenly, in this announcement, real peace has come to earth. Real peace has come to individual human hearts. In a time when major rulers lived in the biggest cities, Jesus was suddenly born in Bethlehem, the city of David place of only 5,000 people. In a time when Herod and Augustus and Quirinius were occupying palaces and enjoying excess of wealth, Jesus occupied a stable, a manger, and wrapped in old cloths and rags. Now what is most remarkable as we show the comparison? is that the announcement of the birth of this long-awaited Messiah, it didn't come to the priests or the scribes or the teachers of the law 
or the Pharisees, those who knew and studied and, and were well-educated and, and should have been watching and looking, it didn't come to them. It came to shepherds. It came to shepherds. The profession of shepherd at this time and the time of Jesus' arrival is the bottom of the occupational food chain. It's at the very, very bottom. In fact, as we study history, we find that shepherds were so despised that they would not even be called to be witnesses in court because they were considered to be liars. They're all liars. They, they don't have the credibility to be a witness to anything. And so a, a shepherd would never be a witness. And I find so incredibly ironic and beautiful here is that the very ones that society saw as lacking credibility and value were the very ones that God chose to be his primary witnesses that his son had been born, that the Messiah had come. Not only were they not the people at the top, they were the people at the very bottom. And we're told that there was such joy in their lives that when they told people and made the announcement, those who heard the announcement were amazed, were amazed. Announcing Jesus' birth to the shepherds was not accidental. It wasn't like, you know, the angel was sent out and thought, you know, I can't find everybody. Everybody's busy tonight, you know, with their Christmas Eve traditions. I can't find the right person. Oh, I'll just, just talk. No, this is not accidental. This is, this is intentional. This is intentional. This is part of the plan because God is making a statement. And the statement is, as is reiterated with the words of the angel, that his light has come for all people. All people. The least likely. The poor. Those without honor. The marginalized. Yes, even lowly shepherds. And suddenly, light filled the darkness on the hills of Bethlehem. And joy filled their lives. There are two applications and observations I'd like to draw from our scripture today. The first is simply suddenly darkness. There are many people, perhaps there's some of us, Perhaps some of us are sitting in this room this morning. Perhaps some of us are, are somewhere else watching or listening to this service. And we're entering the Christmas season, a season that we're celebrating as a season of hope and peace and joy and love and light. Yet they find themselves, and we find ourselves perhaps completely engulfed in darkness. A darkness that has been created by painful realities. The Christmas season has a way of magnifying the painful realities in our lives. And perhaps for some of you, 
the lights went out. Suddenly. Suddenly darkness permeated your life. And suddenly everything changed. It may have been a loss that someone you love passed away and it's, it's left an incredible hole in your heart and you're, you're, you weren't ready to let them go. And you're tr struggling to discover what life looks like now without them. And this season is a reminder of what's missing from your life. And perhaps you're lonely and hurting and disoriented because it's dark. Maybe for others it was a health situation. Receiving an unexpected, life-altering diagnosis. Suddenly the future is uncertain. Suddenly you're scared. Suddenly you're vulnerable. Suddenly the focus becomes about making the most of the time that you have because you don't know how much time you have left. It's dark. For some of you, it may be employment. Suddenly you were let go or suddenly your job ended and you're left without a means to provide for your family. Maybe you're working really hard to find employment and it seems to be that they say there's tons of jobs to be had, but it doesn't seem to be the experience you're having. And perhaps some of you are suddenly unemployable. It's dark. Maybe it's your marriage. Suddenly you discovered that the person who promised to love you and be faithful to you is now talking about leaving you. Or maybe they've left already. Perhaps they've betrayed you and broken your trust, and suddenly you're facing something that you never expected to face, and you feel alone, and it's dark. Or our children. As followers of Jesus, what we want most for our children is for them to love and serve Jesus. And it's heartbreaking when we see that that's not happening. And suddenly it can be very dark. Many of us are living the reality that we see in our scripture today. We are engulfed in darkness. We're longing for joy in our lives. But right now, the joy is veiled by the darkness. Suddenly light. As sudden as the darkness descended upon us, God's light can suddenly break in through the darkness. And as I reflect on this passage, I am reminded today that there are three realities regarding light that we have and all experience in our lives that help put this reality into context. And I want to briefly walk through them this morning. The first is the absence of light. Scientifically, darkness is simply the absence of light. God did not create darkness. He illuminated it. And all of us are going to experience things that can eliminate light from our lives. It is a fact of life. It is truth that it, all of us experience things that will eliminate the light 
from our lives. And when that happens, all of us will have moments and seasons and realities in our lives when we're suddenly caught in the dark and we're struggling to find our way out. That is a confirmed reality. The second thing is the absence of darkness. As followers of Jesus, God has made a promise to us. A promise that someday there will be no more darkness. Only light. We read in Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, that there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. Someday, when Jesus returns, there will be no more darkness. And his presence will be perpetual light. In Revelation 21, 4, it says, And he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. A day is coming when darkness will be no more. So we have the absence of light, we have the absence of darkness, and then we have, sorry, the time between. Our scripture today highlights a moment when light and darkness coexisted at the same time. It was dark on the hills of Bethlehem that night, but the light of God's glory filled the sky over the shepherds. It was still dark. It didn't stop being dark. The whole world didn't light up. It was still dark. But the shepherds experienced light in the midst of the darkness. And so until Jesus comes back, we will be people who learn to experience the light of God's presence in the midst of the darkness. We will experience darkness, but we will also experience light in the midst of that darkness. And so it may be dark for you right now, but I want you to know today that even in the darkness, you can experience the light of God's joy. You can experience God's presence in your life. You can experience the encouragement and strength of the Holy Spirit in your life while things are dark. Because he gives us his light in the darkness. And so we, we experience his light as we, as we read his word and we're encouraged by the truth and the promises that he's made. We experience the light when, when we spend time in prayer, and not just all the words that we're saying, but even in those moments as we wait in silence before God, and we allow him by his spirit to encourage us and minister to us and bring healing into our lives. We experience the light in moments of worship, Rather, it may be in corporate worship like today, in, in the words of a song or the sense of his presence or the encouragement of another while we're here. We experience the light in worship. And the, the worship may be 
we're, when we're out of here and, and, and the moments that we find ourselves interacting with him in worship. The light comes when we talk with friends who encourage us, who genuinely care about us and invest in us and want to, to help us. And we experience God's light through that and God's joy through that. You experience God's light and God's joy when you take courageous steps that are very, very difficult to take. It is possible to experience the light of God in the darkest moments of our lives and somehow find a joy that we never expected and we certainly don't understand and we're not able to explain but it is a joy that only he can bring to our lives, even though it's still dark. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back. As followers of Jesus, we celebrate the joy that the light of the world Jesus brings to our individual lives and to our families and to our friends and to this world. And Christmas reminds us God's light lifts the darkness caused by the painful realities of our lives and replaces it with joy. I'm going to invite you to stand with us this morning. And as we worship together, as we worship, we want to pray for you, but we want to give you a chance to pray while you're worshiping this morning. Asking God to somehow reveal himself to you in the midst of whatever your darkness might be, to bring that light in and to lift you and help you to experience his joy despite what's happening right now. To pray that the Holy Spirit will come alongside you and encourage you and strengthen you and love on you and help you understand how incredibly valuable and loved you are and how God longs to comfort and strengthen you in the midst of whatever it is you might be facing. Use these moments to invite the light of his presence into whatever that darkness may be for you this morning. Father, would you lead us? Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to sing.
together